Podcast our past. Stories from the history of the Lancaster and Morecambe area. Ghosts, a phenomenon that has followed human beings throughout history and into the modern day. From early references of literal flying manuscripts to creeps scouting the dressing rooms even in the afterlife, we'll be touching on the many quirks of the paranormal. I'm Jennifer S, and this is the Poltercast. For this most likely singular podcast recording, we'll be touching on the light history of ghosts my tiny little brain has collected and scraping the surface of the internet's knowledge, particularly in the Lancaster area. So if ghosts have invaded your cranium and sat in the sticky folds of your brain like they have in my beautifully smooth cerebrum, you're sure to like this little insight into my inner ghost-fueled madness. Now let's get the elephant out of the room. Am I a believer? No, I'm not. I'm sorry. When it hits 7pm and I'm at my grandparents' house and I hear a creak in the night... Sure. Give or take, I'll believe a ghost has finally come to take me away from my crusty mortal body. But during the day when my silly little head is functional of logical thought, I can mostly differentiate what I think is true or not. Does that matter? Also, no. I'm having fun, and I like the history, and I've been given the opportunity to give you an earful of my on-and-off interesting ghouls, and if I was the type to refuse that, I would not be Jennifer S, and you would not be hearing my pubertal voice invading your ears. So then, if you haven't ran away screaming by this point and are ready to get into the knowledge that I'm only just now looking for on my little PC screen that I'm hunching over with the posture of a rat with scoliosis three hours before a recording session, let's get into the history. Beyond Radio, working with Escape to Make, presents Podcast Our Past. As cited by the totally trustworthy internet legacy Wikipedia, ghosts have been a staple of the human race for years and years and years. And I'm talking further back than 5000 BCE. If you can't process time like I can't, that's also known as a dang long time. I mean, how could you blame us? With no clear-cut idea of what the hell happens after our eyes go dim and the doki-doki of our heart don't doki anymore, I can't believe I just said that. Who wrote this script? Existential dread is sure to fill the human brain with the ideas of what happens next. As everyone knows, the meaning of life is 42. Yet the meaning of death and what exactly will make our brain still go in whatever afterlife there is hasn't exactly been scientifically proven. This is a disclaimer for all those who believe in any religion. I am an atheist dealing with existential dread, if it wasn't clear. I'm not discrediting your religion, I'm not telling you it's wrong, heck Jesus, or someone else could pop out at any moment next to the most insignificant girl they could and tell me I'm totally off course. I love the intricacies of religion, it's really interesting, but I'm an atheist. I wish I wasn't, but I am. So I'm sorry for anything here that doesn't exactly hit the spot, be it jokes or misinformation or just something that doesn't align. Getting on to the actual content, some of the earlier ancient civilizations, such as Egyptians, Greeks, Mesopotamians, Romans, and other ancient places were pretty big on ghosts. Lots of old tablets, like a certain 3,500-year-old tablet found in Babylon, made in 1500 BCE, depicting a man and a woman ghost. The tablet, if looked at under light, can be seen to detail instructions to get rid of ghosts. Quote the Smithsonian Magazine, The directions call for the exorcist to make figurines of a man and a woman. Prepare two vessels at beer and at sunrise speak ritual words calling on the Mesopotamian god Shamash. The pronunciation of that is not known to me. I am sorry. Who was responsible for bringing ghosts to the underworld? Finkel, 
the guy in the article, says the idea was to transfer the ghost into one of the figurines. The text's final line urges readers to not look behind you. This warning is probably intended as an instruction aimed at the figurines entering the underworld, but it's possible it's directed at the exorcist. The article in itself is very funny, I advise you read it, and it truly shows how far this history of ghosts goes back. Humans have always tried to find a reason to justify strange happenings, like books falling off shelves, or the ground beginning to shake, or perhaps things such as lightning or thunder making ghosts and supernatural stories the most human thing I believe possible. But Jennifer, I hear you say, this isn't English ghost history, we're supposed to be focusing on ghosts from Lancashire, not your inner musings about the meaning of humanity. To that, I say you're right. So let's move on to a story I heard from a Hellfire D2M about a monk's report of the infamous flying manuscript, which I assume is from around this area. I, th- I think they said it was. Listen, children, don't quote me on this. I'm not a good role model. One day, a monk was sitting down to study in a library. It was in the mid-afternoon, the light heavy on the curtains, sunlight seeping into the room and spilling lazily onto the floor. When gasp, shock, horror, a manuscript threw itself from a bookshelf like a pellet of rain from the sky, yet stayed in the air. It flew towards the monk, attacking his face, sending him into a frenzy, stumbling back and holding it, trying to rip it away. Falling over books and chairs like in a dramatic movie, he squealed and writhed like a charmed snake gone wild. Only once another man walked into the room did it spring from its headcrab-like state and fly towards the other monk. For the rest of the afternoon, into the night, the monks were terrorised by the meddlesome manuscript. It does not sound scary, I sympathise with you completely, but if a piece of paper started to get up and dance around in the air, throwing itself at my face, I think I'd be scared too. In fact, silly-sounding ghosts to modern people are a staple throughout history. Only in the Victorian era did the stereotypical ghosts spring up from the imagination of human mischief. Ghost photos terrorise the people's imaginations, haunting their brains at night. People in sheets, like how many people were buried back then, blurry images of seemingly faceless ghosts, and some literal smudges with the tricks of the ghost-riddled trade back in the day. And who believed it? Blurry photos? Who the hell most? Most people did. And I would too. Like, if I didn't have any scientific, modern, ghosts-aren't-real things hammered into my head, I'd be afraid too. But before that, some ghosts were just objects or animals. For example, the manuscript, ghost dogs, things like that. But the importance and historical change of ghosts is interesting and very, very vital. Ghosts are a large part of modern society, a large part of what's imprinted into our brain, and the development of an idea of these things are interesting to look at. From peaceful, docile, helpful spirits to dangerous, mischievous ones, humans have very varied ideas of how these ghosts behave. Some believe in demonic types, those out to harm and debilitate, create misfortune. Some believe in nurturing kind ghosts who warn you to stay out of those woods at night and maybe not date the narcissistic man you've not clocked his bad yet because you've got permanent rose-tinted glasses. And some believe in both. If you're like me, you believe in neither. Sadly. It'd be cool to believe. So, with the stereotypes, very brief history of ghosts, and my interest in human nature discussed, let's talk about the ghost stories I actually prepared in the other sessions of this workshop, with only 45 minutes and pure unfiltered spite of any god out there to write it. I'm having a good time. I'm mentally sane. (laughs) Let's take it back to years ago, about the 1400s if my lack of modern history checks out right. Oh, and here we have a note from future Jennifer writing the script. She has checked it, and it didn't check out right. Uh, classic me. Let's take it back to 400 years ago, the 1600s. Welcome to the witch trials and many other deathly ongoings that others are speaking on, so I won't touch much. 
witches, also known as normal people, criminals, and others that have done wrong in the definitely not sociopathic eyes of the government, have been given the ultimate punishment. Death. A thing some things welcome, I do not, but my urges have been replaced by irreversible existential dread. People are being trialled for things they didn't do, or by very small crimes. Some are going off to Australia, that place where they put things in the barbie and sit in the hot sun. I am so, so sorry, Dad. Some are only having a short walk up to the hill. Lucky! (laughs) But not. They're dying. At the hands of the Lancaster court, there were 200 executions, give or take. Some hung on sight at the now very haunted Lancaster Castle. Yes, this is a segue. Lucky you, you guessed it. There's said to be a witch haunting the cells, an old woman who died before execution. I went to the castle a month ago and I didn't know about her. I went in that damn cell and I'm butthurt I didn't know about her so I couldn't say hi. I respect those types of women. I'm very interested in them. There's rumoured to be another ghost, a mother and a child, and about, oh, I don't know, 200 other people haunting it! If you go up the gravel road near the castle and the priory, right around the front of the priory and the side of the castle, well, great news! You're stepping on places where they buried people oh so long ago! Let that stew in your stomach. Writhe like I did when I found out. Yes. Yes. Um, sorry. Others got a nice little scenic walk and a drink before getting executed later on. They were walked to a bar called the Golden Lion. This is a place also rumoured to be haunted. By who? Not sure. Internet didn't tell me. It's insane how much knowledge isn't there. But from the stories I was told about it, I'd guess a certain man resides there. That man, unnamed of course, was to be hanged and denied a drink. Why? No idea. Maybe he wanted to be special. However, if he did take the drink, he would have been there and alive when his pardon arrived at the bar. I like to think his upset ghost sits on a bar stool, grumpy. Maybe he pushes off glasses, like a cat. Passing up to the hill of execution, you could take a little look at what's now called Dalton Square, which has a lovely little office building sitting right beside it. Since it's on this podcast, I'm relatively sure you're aware it's not actually lovely. <laughs> Some guy, Dr. Ruxton, renowned for being kind and lowering a poor person's pay so they could get treatment, suddenly stabbed, killed his wife in a jealous rage, and the maid who witnessed it. Trigger warning for those who are sensitive or maybe afraid of gory detail or just squeamish in general. Close your ears now. He chopped them up into pieces and put them into newspapers. Ouch! Okay, you can open your ears again. There you go, it's fine. The ghosts, understandably very much annoyed, haunt the place to this day. Curtains and blinds move on their own, and a woman's figure is sighted in the window. And it's definitely not an office worker. Now, you'd think this place up the hill, called very creatively Gallows Hill, would be rather haunted. So where is this epicentre of activity? (laughs) Well, we don't know for sure, but we do have an idea about it being the Ashton Memorial. But there were hundreds of executions, many people dead, and E2M even made a ghost film there, which makes it super haunted, and that's totally valid, I am not biased. However, I sadly have never seen a ghost in the Butterfly House. Shame. With Escape to Make and Beyond Radio. Going down from the hill and towards the river, we'll visit my favourite ghost in none other than the Grand Theatre, a place packed with the paranormal. And finally, a ghost site that has their ghosts on their page. God, do you know how hard it is for me to find info about ghosts at a place that has literal ghost tours? No, meet the ghosts. No, here are the guys you'll experience. No, no. Step it up, you guys. Honestly, disappointing. 
I'm joking. The first ghost is Sarah Siddons. Some of you may have heard of her. She was a rather famous actor back in the day, playing roles like Lady Macbeth, who is my queen. She visited a poor young man who was with his friends after a show and went to the back of the empty bar when the lights turned off. He turns around to find the door is locked. He cries for help, but apparently he was the friend version of a third wheel because they don't notice his absence, don't hear him, and leave the damn building. <laughs> That's rough, buddy. He goes to the back room and sits by a fire with low-lit coals. When he sees her, a woman! The night guard found him in the middle of the night crying like a little baby. <laughs> I would use this description on a woman too. Heck, I'd be crying like a little baby if that happened to me. Sarah's sightings are as follows. Sitting in the stalls in the front of the auditorium, walking across the stage. And then there's another ghost at the Grand Theatre. Welcome in, Harold! He's a male actor and he usually hangs around backstage and in the dressing room. He makes people reportedly feel uncomfortable, unwilling, or refusing of going into the rooms he's in. Disembodied footsteps follow people around. So if someone finds some ectoplasm on the walls in the dressing room, Please tell me, so I can never go for a drama workshop there ever again. Apparently, some men do not stop the grind, even after they're dead. It's impressive in a way. I'm talking about acting, by the way? What the hell did you think I was talking about? Well, there's also a little girl there who runs around and leaves handprints. It's not much, but she tries. No one else really knows much about her, I couldn't find any other information, but, you know, maybe she'll make a name for herself one day, I believe in her. Now I've been indulging in favouritism. Where's the other places I named? Like Morecambe. Come on, Jennifer. Give us Morecambe. Well, all right. With around 30 minutes and the energy given to me by the blessed things such as chicken goujons and salad, I am, in the past present tense, currently neglecting. Sorry, salad. Past me will dutifully write more script to scratch your dopamine-deprived brain. How long will this script be in the recording studio? <laughs> Not sure. At the moment, we're at 24 minutes. Gonna have to edit that. <sighs> I hope you can see the funny in this chaos of a script and this chaos of a recording because I can feel it. You know you've hit rock bottom when you're writing a script on ghosts in a bunny onesie with silly goofy music for silly goofy humans, a playlist on at 3.59 in the afternoon on Thursday night. Disclaimer, this is actually not a description of rock bottom. Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> Midland Hotel. <laughs> I actually found a file of a ghost story of this place in the library because I did thorough research for once. Apparently, one night to be exact, the 27th of the 7th something 83, Hotel Room 17, a relative of Borrower, whoever that is, was staying in Room 17. He was woken up at least six times by noises and saw a child dressed in Victorian period costume at the bottom of his bed. The husband of the member of staff who was a surveyor recollects a malicious child, but can't remember where he heard the rumours, which sounds totally legit. <laughs> there was also reportedly a lady in grey at the hotel, a woman who lived there in the 1930s and swore she would never live elsewhere, which she apparently followed through with. Personally, not the place I choose as my eternal resting place. No offence to the Midland. I love it there. But I think I'd rather stay in maybe like the Bahamas for the rest of my existence. Or the Caribbean. Nice sunny place for a while and if the sea levels do rise, I'll have a nice ocean tour for the rest of my undead life. Swim with the fishies and all that. The Winter Gardens, also in Morecambe, <laughs> unrelated, has many more ghost stories and seems to be a very haunted place. Something about theatres really seems to pull out these ghost stories. Mm. <laughs> the stage is a main area for activity. Some people experience pushing, slapping, poking, and general harassment, which... rude. There was a seamstress who wanted to be a dancer but couldn't, who now haunts the dressing rooms. Apparently, some women do not stop the grind even after they're dead. It's impressive, in a way. I'm talking about sewing. 
Other ghosts hang around in a bar and many stairwells. Shadows are seen running across the stage, usually one man. And if you stand on the high levels of the theatre, you can perhaps see a boy's ghost running down the side of the theatre. Ghost hunters have recorded an abundance of EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, aka go speak through ghost radio thing, and see footprints, hear sounds, and voices. Some people hear footsteps following them, and men howling in torment. Why are they howling in torment? Well, probably because you've been listening to my voice for quite a long amount of time. An important thing to note before I quit my torment of your poor little ears for however many minutes this had lasted is that all these stories are to be taken with a grain of salt. I didn't do much proper research, I'm not as experienced as others in ghost stories, and my knowledge is zero to none on things not spoon-fed to me by YouTubers, E2M Ghost Doctors, of which there is only one, and the most knowledgeable, definitely trustable thing known as the internet. In a way, though, I'm contributing to the ghost stories of history, I'm just passing on word of mouth as they did thousands of years ago. It's how very old stories such as the Odyssey, the Aeneid, other great stories have lasted. And even if it's me in a silly recording studio, having the time of my life, uh, maybe spreading misinformation, it's still just stories. And I think that's what makes up humanity in its essence. And I think that's why we have ghost stories. And I think that's something to be admired about the human race. So even if ghosts are real or not, it's worth listening about it. So thank you for coming along with me on this journey of a script made with blood, sweat, tears, chicken goujons, and two hours of frantic tapping on my PC keyboard. And also, 31 minutes and 19 seconds of a teenage girl making silly mistakes in recording, having to edit it afterwards, and just having fun. So I enjoyed it. I hope you did. Even if my jokes weren't exactly the height of humour. But this was Jennifer S. Have a very spooky night. Podcast Our Past. Stories from the history of the Lancaster and Morecambe area.